Abandoned for decades, one of America's most notorious asylums is being renovated. The new owners are being plagued by troubled souls, and a paranormal investigator and psychic medium are going in to unlock the secrets and the supernatural of Eloise Asylum's history. That's our topic tonight, right here on the very best in paranormal talk radio. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural. Perhaps. Baloney. Perhaps not. Hello, my little darklings. The time for creepiness is here. And of course, TV has taken notice. They're releasing brand new shows, brand new ways to get your freak on. And there's a brand new series we're going to be talking about in just a few moments with a couple of special guests from that series on the Fox Nation. But first, I want to thank everybody that has heeded my call Please get a chance, rate and review this program on whatever podcast device you are listening to that allows ratings. And it really helps if not only giving it five stars, but writing a little something about the show, why you're attracted to the show, what you like about the show. And that helps other viewers find us and keep going and building this. October is a huge month for me. So anytime you could just take just a few seconds out of your time to go rate and review this show, maybe even right now, just pause the show and rate and review it, and then come back to listen for the uh, remainder of the hour. I appreciate that very much. Super chats and super stickers are on for those of you watching live here on the YouTube channel. Thank you again for your committed support. And remember, hit that like button. And if you haven't done it already, go over, hit the subscribe button, the little bell, and then choose the device to let you know every time a brand new episode is released. So thank you very much. And remember, support the sponsors that support this show. You hear them every episode. Guys, that goes a long way to keep this program free and available to you. So I would appreciate that. Let's get started. I'm really excited. Many of you have been knocking on my door saying, Dave, when is Holzer Files coming back? When are we going to see more Holzer Files? And I've had to break your hearts and tell you you're not. It's just not going to happen. Holzer Files has been gone for two years. Cindy and I rolled over and did a fun show called Ghosts of Devil's Perch. Cindy is now on the dead files, but I do have some really good news for you. From the people that brought you the dead files and the Holzer Files, a brand new program has just been released on Fox Nation, Secrets of the Asylum, a six-part journey into madness. And this is an amazing brand new series. If you have not yet had a chance to watch it, watch it. Help me welcome the lead investigator and psychic medium for the team. We've got Scott Porter, Stephanie Burke. Thank you both for being here tonight. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, what? I mean, we've only known each other a decade. I guess it's about time to get you on the show. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's about time. (laughs) Now that you're in the family fold of Painless TV, I figured it was best to, to bring you in and, and share with uh, with our viewers and listeners around the world. Um, this is exciting, although I'm starting to notice a trend with my friends at Painless, an attractive, bald, goateed lead investigator, <laughs> an attractive yes. psychic medium, and a kind of an itchy, twitchy tech. Hmm. Hmm. Four. But you guys are doing it right. It is a fantastic <laughs> new series. I'm extremely pleased to have you on here talking about it. And just so people know, they dropped the entire six-part series is available to stream and watch at this point, correct? Yes. Wow. Even speaking in unison. That's <laughs> I never did. Now, there is something cool for veterans, right? If they're interested in uh, getting a subscription to Fox Nation, can you tell them a little bit about that? Yes. If you're a veteran, if you're a veteran, active military, or a first responder, you sign up, you get your first year for free. Wow. So Fox Nation streaming is free for a year if you are a first responder, active military, or retired military. Yes. Yes. Great. There you go. There's an opportunity. And I'm sure they even have 30-day trials to give it a shot and see what Fox Nation has to offer you. So go check it out. We'll have links for that right down there on tonight's program guide. Uh, you guys mind? Let's, let's give them a little taste of what they can expect. We'll play the sure. trailer, all right? Absolutely. Here we go. 
Get ready for madness. Eloise Asylum was a living hell. There's something here. You can't understand the haunting without understanding the history. Thousands of patients died. And not everyone left. This place has all the markings of a dangerous haunt. I want to find out exactly what they've experienced. All right, I'm trying to connect. That's a voice. Is there anyone here with us? Here with us? Ah, oh, my hand just got cold. It's starting to feel like we're picking a fight. Something rushed up behind me. With something we shouldn't be messing with. Guys? Are you okay? And the deeper we get... Look at this. The haunting started here before Eloise was here. The more I have to wonder... Oh, God. Are we the ones looking into Eloise? Or is Eloise looking into us? Something's done. Oh, my God, you're bleeding. We need to get everybody out of here now. Secrets of the Asylum, streaming now on Fox Nation. Sign up at foxnation.com. All right, very cool. It is out, it is available, and it's a great way to spend a rainy night like we're having here in Minnesota. Cuddle up together, turn on the TV, turn down the lights, get the family together, because nothing's better than a couple of spooky shows on a creepy night. Guys, I got to ask you, if you could, give us a little background on Eloise Asylum and why this place is believed to be so haunted. Oh, my gosh. It uh, it started, I mean, it's, it's been around for a couple centuries. Um, you know, it's it was there as a um, as an old log structure when it was first purchased called the Black Horse Tavern. Uh, it was it was a, a poor house, uh, became an, an asylum. It's been a hospital. There's been so much there. There's been thousands and thousands of souls that have went through that building and thousands of thousands that have never left. Yikes. Now, it's interesting, right, that it was once a saloon, now it's an asylum. Uh, not a far leap, I guess, but to <laughs> to take that land and, and build on it, build this structure. And for people that maybe don't understand, you know, immediately we think asylum, we think people with mental disturbances. Correct. They had a much broader spectrum of who they put into asylums back in the day, right? They definitely did. So. It became just a, a poor house or a place where they just dropped off people that they deemed not fit for society completely. But people don't realize that, especially in the early 1900s or even late 1800s, they would just drop off people if you were disobeying your spouse or, you know, you just had an attitude. Um, just very random things that you were not fitting into how society wanted you to be. Sorry, you're going to the asylum. See you later. So you're saying the three of us would be roommates right now? Absolutely. Probably so. Yes. Wrap around, Jack. <laughs> Yikes. That's terrifying, right? Because there are so many of these places that are based all around the United States that it wasn't just for people with mental disabilities. It was the indigent. It was uh, homeless. It was widows. It was yep. orphans. And you might be in there with rapists, murderers, and thieves. Mm-hmm. And your only crime was the fact that your husband died in war or of a disease yes. or a heart attack and you just couldn't support yourself. That must be absolutely uh, mind numbing to anybody that was part of that experience, just shredding whatever dignity and humanity mm -hmm. that they had. Yeah. Oh, and imagine going a step further and completely removing your name and you become a subject and you're just a number that someone can try out the latest medical device on you or the latest uh, chemical, uh, weapon. chemical weapon yeah. or, or whatever yeah. the case may be. And that's what you become. You become a lab rat. Well, shh, don't let my kids hear that. I just refer to them as number one through 11, whichever one. <laughs> I snap and call out seven, get in here. Uh, <laughs> Trader Asylum. That's right. <laughs> this house will be haunted by the time I'm done with it. Um, I, I wanted to ask you something that I'd love both of your perspectives on uh, as an investigator and somebody who's sensitive. I always find it interesting, right? There's renovations and things being done, which seems to upset the spirit world. And I would think if the spirit cared enough to stay there, they would want to see this brought back to former glory or brought back to something they recognize as opposed to mold, mildew, caving in ceilings and, and uh, graffitied walls. Why do you think First of all, why do you think that they get so upset when there's a renovation taking place, Scott? You know, I think one of the things is it depends on the scenario. Uh, I know that I have remodeled older homes before, and I have seen the spirits in those homes as I was doing the remodel, and, and they weren't aggressive. They weren't uh, antagonistic. They were 
uh, or antagonists. They were just there checking it out. Curious. It's, it's almost as if they're there. They can sense that there's something going on. Something's happening and they want to be, see what's happening. Um, and in some cases, I think it does make them happy. I think it, they can see that there's something going on that's good for the location. And when you're doing all that physical work, you're releasing that kinetic energy that in a place that may have been dry of outside energy for some time now has this sudden influx of kinetic energy and other energies that they're able to feed on. And so they make themselves known uh, on the other case. Well, I agree with that part, especially when it comes to an everyday place. You know, you're going in, you're kind of doing some renovations, mm -hmm. whether it's an old house or many places that we've seen over the years. Yes. In the case for Eloise, it was kind of the opposite. So the spirits are still lingering there and they're lingering for a reason. Some of them feel like they can't leave. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, what we discovered during the show was a lot of them just had a story to tell right. because their story was told incorrectly. Mm -hmm. It wasn't told at all. So it became a problem. So they were hanging around and not necessarily caring about renovations, but really caring about who's going to actually listen to me. How am I going to get my point across? How am I going to redeem myself in the eyes of whoever? Because mm -hmm. for years or however long that they were there, they were told, this is how you are. This is what's wrong with you and treated a certain way. So it was really about justice for them in some way, shape or form. It is. And you think about a place that's in disrepair you know, maybe no one's been there for ages. Yeah. And so all of a sudden now you have someone there who they can talk to, who's doing a remodel or, a, or fixing up or whatever. And so they look at those people as someone who can get that story out. Right. Because how it was when they were there fixed up and nice compared to how it is now with just disre disrepair and mold and mildew, like you mentioned, either way, no matter how it looked, it was hell for them and their four mm -hmm. walls of their room. Right. The, the part that's always been a struggle for me is if I died in asylum, the last place I think I would want to stay is in an asylum. Why wouldn't mm -hmm. I go off to my family home or follow my children or just go stand in a meadow somewhere? Why do you think, Stephanie, as a sensitive, why do you think we choose to stay in some of the most horrific places on earth? I think a lot of it has to do with the individual itself. So that could be their religious beliefs that are keeping them there um, and what they were told prior to death. Mm -hmm. It could just be um, an injustice that was done to them as well. And that's what we found a lot with this particular case is beyond what I thought was possible for injustices being done to people. Um, as we were going along, I wasn't allowed to know anything the entire time. Right. I actually think I went, I went a solid six weeks without being told, yes, you're on the right track, <laughs> um, which was a little torturous for me because I like to at least get like a, Hey, keep going. Um, but I'm glad that they did it the way that they did. And being able to come across each and every one of those stories and realizing how absolutely horrific <laughs> their lives were, it makes you question, why are you still here? You know, especially where we came across the spirit of a, a 10 year old little girl. Why are you still here and not with your parents? But it's because of what was done to her mm -hmm. in life that kind of forced her to stay there to really just get her story out, which was absolutely mind blowing and heartbreaking all at the same time. So I think that that's a huge part of it. I mean, and also I think that's where the evidence is. So if, if they're on a beach somewhere, which is where I would be at, um, <laughs> then the evidence of what happened to them is not at that location. Mm. So they're making their presence known at the, at the location where the evidence is or exists to be able to correct their story. So it's easier for us as investigators on the living side to be able to connect those, uh, those synapses, connect that connective tissue that can lead us to answer for that particular spirit. Stephanie, do you believe that those souls that still reside there, are they fully realized versions of the souls of the person or are they remnants kind of a, not a residual, but an echo of the, the pained part, the part that's left broken and thrown to the wayside at the end of life. I know what you mean. Um, we debate this pretty often mm -hmm. and I think it depends on the case for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on how I see them as well. So sometimes I see them as a full blown uh, apparition is what people would be familiar with that term, but I can talk to them like it's you and me talking right now. And that sometimes is their full soul that's just hanging out and waiting. We do come across a lot of different people mm -hmm. who are, you could describe it as an echo. We've described it as it's almost like a puzzle piece of themselves that mm -hmm. they've left behind. And, you know, 
the soul is not fully together. And I go deep into that with my, my Reiki classes and things like that about soul fragments. So it can absolutely be a soul fragment of, of themselves, like some of the worst times that they've ever had and left there in order to really try to correct that so their soul can be whole again. So it is a huge possibility. And I think it was a possibility for some of the spirits that we did come across in Eloise. Why do you think it's important to reconnect the pieces that are so fractured? I would think maybe the soul has moved on and left those pieces of ourselves behind that no longer service where our next step goes. If we try to pull those pieces back together, could that upset the apple cart in a future life? Are we better off leaving the past in the past, spiritually, metaphysically? I don't think we can leave the past in the past. Hmm. And I teach this a lot in in different classes that I, I do, but you have to heal everything, the mental, the emotional, the physical, and the spiritual all together. And the mental, emotional, and physical are all interconnected. You know, if I were to ask you, you know, Dave, do you remember the the day your first child was born or the day you graduated high school? You know, we have a memory that sticks to that. That brings on an emotional response, which could be a, a physical response to that emotion. Nobody ever heals the spiritual. And the spiritual is a record keeper that keeps track of our entire lifetime now and in the past. And the reason that we go through these trials and tribulations is because we need to learn lessons in order to move on to the next life. So if we're leaving parts behind, we're not really uh, satisfying that lesson or we're not really finishing that lesson. So it really needs to come with us. Scott, when you're in a place like this and realize that there are so many thousands of people that move through there, and you're, you're responsible as the lead investigator for your team. And you've got Steph. And how do you, I always had such a, a problem with that because although I know Cindy's very capable at what she does, very good at, at connecting and, and sorting through this. I've also seen those days when she's overwhelmed by how much tragedy, how much heartbreak and how many spirits are screaming out for help. Does that ever play on you as a lead investigator to, you know, we're here a long time working on this case. Maybe it's best if Steph steps out for a couple of weeks to get fresh. How do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, absolutely. That's one of the things that, you know, as, as a lead investigator, you have to be aware of what your team's doing. You have to be aware of everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even your camera crew and your audio guys, because everyone that's in there at that point in time is subject to have something attached to them. Um, you know, and I've seen Steph go through it. I've seen her be really taxed with it. We have a unique bond. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm able to sit there. I'll put a hand on her, just console her some, let her energy kind of get back together. She'll draw energy from me. So it kind of helps her to rejuvenate. And then we get out of there at night and and she has carbs and <laughs> a that lot a lot of carbs and that helps ground her. <laughs> Um, but I mean, if you notice in the show, I mean, we, we watch. You hear that? I'm ha- not eating bad carbs. I'm just grounding. That's it. It's grounding. No, family yes. knows the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're watching the show, you don't get to see us eat the carbs, no. right. but, but you do get to see, um, you know, one of our camera guys, uh, gets attacked in the show and, you know, out of all the investigations I've ever done, I've never seen it firsthand happen right in front of me. And so I've always had a question about, does that really happen? Is it possible? I can tell you without a doubt right now, I've seen it firsthand. Um, I've seen the, the, the remnants of it. I've seen and tried to debunk it. And so when you see something like that happen, or you see someone who's in distress, you just get everybody out so we can regroup. That allows them and us to get away from that energy, the energy to get away from us. And then we can come back when we're more grounded and feel better about what we're doing. Now, talk to me a little bit about the third member of your team. Uh, obviously, you two are, are a part of this. Who else do we have to look forward to meeting when they tune into the new show? Well, we have Ryan Sherwin, yes. who was a local investigator uh, there <laughs> in, in Detroit. Uh, he was very familiar with uh, Eloise Asylum. And so when we went there, uh, he was one of the first contacts that I had made uh, about giving me information uh, and researching Eloise. He knew the places to go, uh, had connections with the people. Um, and one of the things that doesn't come on the show, he's even got a historical familial attachment uh, to Eloise. So it, it get, puts him in a unique perspective uh, of doing the research. 
so he's investigated before. He has he's had firsthand experiences with some of the entities there at Eloise. So he was kind of able to give us an idea of what we were going to be walking into when we got there uh, without giving you any information. Give you an idea because they didn't tell me anything. <laughs> <laughs> she walked in blind to uh, I think the first time you went in there, you had to go straight to the bathroom and 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 pee. And then we were able to start. Say <laughs> that EVP, Scott. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I actually had to beg to go into the building um, before <laughs> we started filming. And Rob, our showrunner, was like, "You have to go now." And I was like, "I do." He's like, "You can't hold it." I was like, "No." He's like, "You need to promise me right now. You're gonna walk in there, beeline straight for the bathroom. Don't look at a ghost. Don't talk to a ghost. <laughs> don't make eye contact. And walk back out here and report back to make sure that you did not have any contact whatsoever." So that was my first experience. Yes, yeah, he could. She could pee, but not EVP. Yeah, that's right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. I, I, Safi is a uh, a great guy. A lot of experience behind a lot of these shows. Yes. And, yes. Uh, as a director. He wants that moment caught, that first moment when you're entering and yes. kind of feeling and sensing what's going on around yeah. you. So yeah. I, I completely get that. Um, I, I need to just take a very quick break. We'll sure. come back and we'll continue discussing more. And remember, folks, you can check it out right now on Fox Nation, Secrets of the Asylum. And if you are a first responder or you're a, a, a veteran or an active military personnel, you can go get a free one-year subscription to Fox Nation now. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Hey, folks, this is your old pal Dave. Got a couple of exciting things coming up here. I'm going to be at the Lexington in St. Paul, Minnesota on Monday, October 30th. It is a night of ghost stories, and we're going to reveal to you what we uncovered during our recent investigation. I'll be there with a couple of friends that had some great activity, and we captured video, audio. We'll be sharing that, plus some other creepy stories along the way. Come on out for the cocktails, the amazing food, great camaraderie, and to be inside one of St. Paul's most beautiful yet haunted buildings. You can get more information about that by visiting darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. And if you are in the New York area or you're willing to travel this weekend, come see me at the Haunted Shanley Hotel in Napanock, New York, along with Scotty the Medium. We will have an entire weekend of presentations of ghost hunting, of meet and greets, and just having a great opportunity to kind of absorb and be part of this famous haunted location. You can get more information about that again at darknessevents.com. And we are coming in to the end of the spooky season. 
But it's not over when November rolls in, folks. The ninth annual New Jersey Para Unity Expo is taking place in Woodbridge, New Jersey. I'll be there, and I hope to see you there as well. There are going to be amazing speakers, lots going on, a couple of VIP parties. You can get more information at NewJerseyParaUnityExpo.com. That's only $25 per person to attend a weekend-long event. You're not going to want to miss. It's the ninth annual New Jersey Para Unity Expo. Adam Berry, the Ghost Brothers, the Ghost Hunters, the Project Fear Kids, uh, Chip Coffee, myself, John Zaffis, and more. You can find more information again on all of these events by visiting darknessevents.com. All right, we're back. Our guests, Scott and Steph, are here from the brand new hit series you can find only on Fox Nation, Secrets of the Asylum, a six-part journey into madness. Having been in haunted locations for extended periods of time, I find it that sometimes you start taking on the energies and the emotions of the spirits that are there. You start, I don't want to call it oppression or possession. It feels just more like absorption of that negativity, sadness, and everything. And I'm curious, as somebody who is not mediumistic, Scott, what do you do to separate yourself from that so that you're able to move forward in an investigation and not be second-guessing your motivation or what's taking place? You know, I mean, the biggest thing is you try to detach yourself from it, you know, emotionally, physically, every which way you can and, and, and take that time away to, to detach the problem you run into is that some of these places, it's very difficult to detach, even for a seasoned investigator. I know that after spending so much time in LOEs as we did, um, part of that energy came back with us and it affected us in a negative way. I mean, we had arguments and fought like, which we never do like cats and yeah. dogs. And we never <laughs> do. I don't lose my cool. I'm probably one of the most even killed mellow people you'll ever know. And even I was throwing suitcases around the hotel room and <laughs> angry at just the fact that the grass was green. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it affects you and you have to just, you have to take note of that at, at a point and just stop and say, Holy cow, that's not me. I got to figure out how to correct this. And I need to ground myself and just get away from it and, and get back to who you really are. It was tough because it happened gradually. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I finally realized what was happening, I had to stop and be like, oh, this is it. And I sat down with the crew. We were sitting outside yep. our hotel room, you know, during one of our briefings. And I said, Hey guys, how are you feeling? And I said, Do you, have you noticed this? Have you noticed this? Have you noticed this? And I remember lo everybody looking at each other going, yeah, actually. And, um, we finally realized, you know, it was happening and it was happening more so to the other people that mm -hmm. were involved as well, because whether you're holding a camera or you're doing what we do, you're still exposed to all of it. You're still exposed to yeah. the elements of the, the place. So yes. it was a, it was a rough time. Right. And once you get out of there and you take note of that, I know everybody listening and watching right now, they're going to want to know, well, then what do you do to separate yourself from that so that you're not continually affected going forward? I think once you realize it, you know, you have to, you have to meditate. You have to find that place and, and, and get yourself recentered. Uh, I know for me, when, when I got out of there and got back to the farm, I spent a lot of time just, just out by the water, you know, by the, by the, by the pond or, or out in the field, just kind of just getting myself back grounded and centered and making sure that my thoughts were focused on positive things. Uh, you know, and I, I lean a lot on my, my, uh, my faith and my religion as well. Uh, and for each person, that's different. But I think that you have to you have to recenter yourself some way and get back to the good that's in life to help push that bad stuff away from you. I think, too, it's not just negative or overwhelming locations that can do that to you. Mm -hmm. I think finding something to cleanse your own energy regularly and depending on how you do that. I know in when we're in Hawaii yes. and, and dealing with, you know, Native Hawaiians in their culture, they believe in pikai, which is going and cleansing yourself in the ocean. Um, you can do it any way, shape, or form that you can. I'm a Reiki master teacher, so I know how to cleanse my own energy, mm -hmm. and I know how to ground myself that way. But things that make you happy are things that cleanse your energy. And, I mean, you could just have a negative energy-filled household. You just got into an argument with a sibling, a parent, a spouse, whatever it might be. You're still absorbing other people's energy. You're going to a negative workplace. You're... Mm -hmm. 
you're absorbing all the negativity from your coworkers. Um, people for years have joked about the paranormal hangover. <laughs> you know, you go on an investigation, you have the hangover the next day. The hangover is because you're absorbing all of the energy of everybody there, plus all of the energy that's in the location. At the same time, you know, if spirits are communicating, they're borrowing a little bit of your energy in order to light up the devices. Mm -hmm. So everything is energy in this world. So just taking care of your energy and really paying attention to it is the most important thing that you should be doing daily, never mind if you're ghost hunting or not. I like it. Let's go back to that eating carbs thing. That sounds and like carbs. That's, that's what I was getting ready to tell you. And eating carbs, eating Dave. Carbs. So should I take the Twinkie and focus positive intention into yes. it and then ingest it and just imagine yes. the golden filling just radiating through my body? Yes, yes. absolutely. The golden Twinkie aura is what we like to call it. Yeah. Uh, for more tips, just follow Dave Schrader. And, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. There's one thing from going, and we've all done this. We go from one location to the next <laughs> location to the next location. When you have to invest yourself into one solid location for an extended period of time and you've you've come into contact with so many different types of spirits do you find that aside from human spirits that there are nature or elemental beings things that are drawn to that spot because of the nature of what it is as well yeah i think so <laughs> um I love to have and look at each other like, should we answer this question? I, 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 we I, can answer some of it. We can answer some of it. I, <laughs> I think that anytime you immerse yourself in a location like we did with LOEs, no matter what the location is, you're going to uncover different layers of atrocity, different layers of sadness and residual energy that's been there for eons. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to find things that exist even before the modern human existed there. Um, and, and the longer you're there, the more relationships, for the lack of a better word, you're going to build with those spirits mm -hmm. and they're going to get more comfortable with you. And I think that when they interact with you from that comfort level, uh, it can affect you in, in a way that maybe it was not intended to, which is one of the things that we found. Yes. And you mentioned, you know, elementals and mm -hmm. things of that sort. Um, I think the biggest question, at least I, I've noticed in many things that I've worked on throughout the years, but especially with Eloise, since we're discussing that right now, it's really a, a chicken or the egg question. Mm -hmm. Was the elemental there first? Why was it put there? How did it get there? And does that drive the ship for something like Eloise to exist in the way that it did? Yeah. Um, a lot of people sometimes look at it like, oh, you know, is from both sides, is Eloise the way it is because of an elemental or is yeah. the elemental's fault? I mean, so. and if you notice in the show, as we're doing the investigation and we're putting the pieces together, each little clue kind of mm -hmm. paints the picture a little bit more clearly of what the history of the haunt has hap has has, right. has taken place, how that history has taken place, how it's evolved. Uh, you find that there are similar experiences that have been that have occurred throughout history and and people from history who have seen things like that. So it kind of it drives the timeline and drives your research so that you can kind of get to the root of where this uh, haunting began. You know, one thing that I've heard many investigators uh, claim, and I've asked the question in a few locations as well, is that sometimes it seems there's like one overlord spirit. There's one human spirit that seems to either be in charge or holding other spirits there. Stephanie, is that real? Can can If I die, can my spirit force my children to stay with me or force whoever else enters this realm and dies here to, to be stuck? I've definitely come across that at quite a few different locations and I've had full blown conversations with spirits that are there. Like, why won't you leave? And they'll tell me, well, because this person won't let me. Um, and the reasoning behind that isn't always clear. It depends on the case. And I think it's a case to case basis type mm -hmm. of thing. Sometimes there's a stronger elemental spirit there that kind of keeps them all there. Um, sometimes it's just how they felt about that one person. Um, and now that person is deceased and their spirit's kind of holding everybody there. Mm -hmm. If somebody was like that in life um, and kind of controlling the household and controlling everybody's every move, 
it would make sense as to why it's happening in death as well. But I've been to a place, um, actually not far from here, and same thing. One particular person was holding the rest of them there, but it could just be a personality thing at that point too. They're the stronger personality. And if you look at society the way that it is today, we tend to have that herd mentality a lot of times where we follow one person based on their beliefs or their opinion or their stronger personality. And people that don't have a strong personalities tend to just go with the flow. And it can be like that in death as well. Right. But again, the weird thing, and Scott, you said you lean into your um, religion when it comes to a lot of this. It just seems strange that Dave Schrader's ghost could hold on to these spirits and God's ghost or God, right. the, the universe, the power, the energy can't say, hey, piss off, let him go. Right. I mean, it just that's where I think so many people have trouble right. wrapping their head around it, including this guy uh, as an investigator. I, I am constantly I have faith. I have belief. But there's so much of it that doesn't line up. You know, one of the conversations I had with a physicist years ago, and we were discussing something very similar along these lines, um, we said and we hypothesized about what is the separation of soul and, and energy or spirit or whatever the category you want to refer to it. And one of the things that I asked was, we as living humans have a biological home. Our spirit energy is the energy within that biological home. Once that biological home is gone, is the soul separate from the spirit energy or the energy that is within that biological home? And does the soul go on and do what it has to do? And then that spirit energy or that, that electrical energy, now that it doesn't have a biological home, is it free to roam? and intermingle with the energy of the ethos and still carry on some semblance to what it was in life and be able to communicate that history. Um, and Steph, I thought I was pretty clear to not let him eat edibles before the show today. <laughs> those, those were shrooms, but I didn't try to bring my plane down. <laughs> no, it is heady, right? I mean, you look at all the twists and turns and the possibilities of what's taking place, how it right. takes place. It, it's, it's almost maddening. You know, we're always looking for one answer. And I think that's what is so disruptive to people in our field that when we can't, you know, many people put their foot down and say, this is what's happening. Right. And I don't, you know, you I don't, don't do, that. do that. Right. But it's, it's kind of like, I like knowing that I've got a good base for it, but it's always mm -hmm. thing like the sands of time and I can keep stepping and learning and following these deals. But some of them are just so heartbreaking and, and mm -hmm. yes. Why, why do you think we're not meant to know these elements? If we are put here with a destiny, why not have a clearer view of how that destiny works? And the fact that if we're not careful, we could be trapped in the place that we spend so much time. I think, I mean, I don't think we have enough time to really debate it in the way that I would love to. Um, and this is honest to God, what yeah. we talk about when we're just by ourselves hanging out, like you wake up in the morning and look over and I'll just ask him a weird, like philosophical question. And that that covers the th first three hours of our day. But um, there's, there's a lot that goes into all of that. And I don't necessarily think it's, you know, if you mess up, you're going to get stuck here. I think a lot of it has to do with belief. If you like the, the memes that go around where, um, you know, you meet ghosts from the 1700s and 1800s, 1900s, but then all of a sudden it's a cutoff. You're not meeting ghosts from like the early 2000s, right? Why is that? And there's so many theories that can go into that. I know I have plenty of my own, but I think our death customs have changed so much throughout the years too. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at death customs, the way we buried people, which would be another hour conversation, um, especially here in New England, you know, the there's a serious amount of death customs that came with each individual culture and religion that came over mm -hmm. to the new world. And that kept a lot of people hanging out, you know, longer than they needed to. Um, the other one is... Um, we reincarnate, but only in soul groups. So we're able to connect to people's past loved ones, you know, during this particular generation or lifetime until the soul group is back together and then they reincarnate. And that could be the reason why we don't have, you know, some people hanging around, some are, some aren't, but we're encountering those from a later um, or an earlier to us generation. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different things that, you know, we could theorize and, I don't think we'll ever know the answers. And I've said forever, we won't know until we get there. Mm -hmm. But I do enjoy the fact that a lot of what we all 
search for is becoming a little bit more mainstream, especially in the scientific community. Um, like the University of Virginia, they have the Division of Perceptual Studies, and mm. their job is a bunch of doctors and scientists that sit around and try to figure out, like, what's a near-death experience. They study people's brains like myself, and I think that that's fascinating, too, to figure out. I think their current, um, their current project is trying to figure out if consciousness exists outside of the physical body. It does. It does. It does. So. Right, and, and then we have to start asking, too, is what we refer to as consciousness the soul? Yep. Right. Yes. Or are they two different inherent things? Does Correct. consciousness stop existing with the physical form or does it, you know, coexist with the spiritual form or do they right. all come together as one before the next move? If we knew everything, I assume that we probably wouldn't bother to learn life lessons and we would just <laughs> skate through life and it wouldn't be an experience. So mm -hmm. I have to remind myself of that quite often that, you know, I'm allowed to know some things, but not everything, but we all have to go through trials and tribulations in order for our souls to grow and evolve. So you're saying the reason my, my teenage kids are such pains in the ass is because they know everything, so they don't <laughs> need to evolve and move forward. Interesting. It, it could be because you didn't learn a lesson before. Yeah. And now you're being taught. By 11 of them? How many of them are there to learn? You okay, if you this. don't listen, here's 11 to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I'm in trouble. Right. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that's fascinated me, having visited so many haunted locations, there are some places that draw me back. Mm -hmm. And it's not just because it I, I like the location or the beauty or the history, but almost as though I'd been there. Yes. Maybe yeah. resided there. Have you guys ever had that cross when you're at a location that you think, maybe this is a fragment of me I'm coming into contact with? We've yeah. talked about that. And mm -hmm. there's actually a scientific study now where they're studying DNA and how DNA is altered throughout um, familial generations. Mm -hmm. And they're finding now that DNA is altered by trauma. And so we're carrying like our ancestors trauma within our own DNA. And every time we go through trauma, it alters itself just a little bit. But the thing that they're really studying right now and they're discovering is that um, because of things like that, if we go back to, we'll say like an ancestral home, mm -hmm. Um, and not even to do with past lifetimes, but like where your ancestors resided, where they came yeah. from, you can feel that familiarity and you can feel that feeling of like, I know I belong here because they did, which yeah. is also fascinating. So that's more of like the here and now um, answer. But what you're discussing too is we've talked about plenty. You know, you show up to a place and like, I, I know I belong here. You know, there's, there's a place in Tennessee that I have investigated before called Craig Font. Yep. And I remember, you know, hearing the stories throughout my life of people saying, oh, my gosh, Craig Fonts feels so bad. It's so ominous. It's so scary. And I would go there and would just feel at home and welcomed. Like I could go in there and lay down and go to sleep and didn't have a care in the world. It was homey to me. And I never understood that, why everybody else, it to them, it felt so bad until later in my life, as I was interviewing and talking to my grandfather doing genealogy, and he told me that we were uh, part Cherokee. And that's when the, the all the little pieces clicked because that was a Cherokee hunting ground. There were so many Cherokee stories that went with that property. And it was one of the grandest frontier homes that took some of that hunting property. So, and there's other rumors about things that happened there. But I think that Literally. that familial connection is what made me feel so comfortable. Your actual like 10th great grandfather is the one that was on that property. He was the one that was so. on that property. He was the chief who was trying to keep it. Um. We yeah. were we were in downtown Dublin walking yeah. the streets and we both stopped at the same time and turned to each other and just frowned and looked and we just stood there for a minute like everything stood still mm -hmm. and I said I feel like I've been here before and he was like well that was weird I was just thinking the same thing yeah. and that could be an ancestral thing or that could be a past life thing and it was hard to separate the, the two because yes. both of our ancestors walked those streets. Well, let me throw one more hook at you before we go to a quick little commercial break. And I don't want an answer now. I want to hear it on the other side of this. What if we throw one more little thing in? And the reason that some of these places feel more familiar to us is because in an alternate reality or parallel universe, we have investigated there. Or we might be there investigating right now. So we're connecting in that sense. We'll talk about that and more. Remember, the new show is on Fox Nation. You can see all six episodes of Secrets of the Asylum. Go check it out. Don't wait. It's a good time to get your scare on.
Innovation, creation, vitality, and joy are the pulse of MySoulTopia.com with many custom creations for the mind, body, and spirit along with classes, intuitive sessions, coaching, and healing energies. MySoulTopia.com strives to bring sophistication with a twist to the metaphysical and the holistic market while raising the community's vibration and channeling the new paradigm which means new and exciting adventures for all. MySoulTopia.com is utopia for your soul. Visit MySoulTopia.com, your one-stop shop for all your metaphysical needs. Offering hand-selected crystals and crystal jewelry with prices to fit every budget. MySoulTopia.com offers the best selections of tarot and divination cards by top designers expertly curated and award-winning book collections from top authors on every subject you'll need on your spiritual journey. My Soultopia is also proud to offer the finest singing bowls and an eclectic collection of the most amazing gemstones, crystals, and crystal jewelry from the top metaphysical designers in the world. MySoulTopia.com is always your one-stop shop for award-winning mixes of Florida water, sage spray, and other spiritual protection. So begin your journey with the best resource, MySoulTopia.com. That's MySoulTopia.com. Why mess with the rest when you can start with the best? MySoulTopia.com. Again, that's M-Y-S-O-U-L. T-O-P-I-A dot com. Hey, folks. Love and Lotus Tarot. Winnie Schrader <laughs> is at your beck and call. If you're watching live right now or even on replay on YouTube, just go ahead and scan that QRC code and you can connect with Winnie. You can make your appointments. And if you're looking for that little nudge, you're looking for some insight, some help from the other side, then reach out to Love and Lotus Tarot. Winnie Schrader is waiting to talk with you now. All right, Secrets of the Asylum, six-part journey into madness on Fox Nation. And please remember, folks, if you are a uh, first responder or you are military, former military, retired military, you can get it for free for an entire year for Fox Nation. So go sign up for that and take a watch of the program. And if you've seen it, please tell people about it. Make sure you spread the news about the program so that more people find it. That's what we're here doing tonight, talking about the uh, the secrets. All right, so before the break, I kind of threw to you about all of these other concepts of what happens when we're at a location and we feel the sense of familiarity. There are times that we have gotten EVP, electronic voice phenomena recordings, back in our own voices, or we've seen ourselves or our friends that are investigating with us see us in different locations in the building while they know that we're not there. I'd like to hear what both of your theories are on that kind of experience. You can go first. Go ahead take it. That's a good one. It is a good one. I don't think there's an answer for it. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if we have enough time well, to answer it either. One. Sure. I know. Um, let the 60-minute parameter of Paranormal 60 hold you in place. People know this show. It could be this Paranormal 285 by the time. There we go. Yes. <laughs> I think, um, is it absolutely possible? Yes. Um, a lot of people are becoming more and more familiar with mm -hmm. something called quantum leaping. And essentially being in this this timeline that we're in now yes. and jumping into another one that better suits us um every type of research i've ever done says that there's multiple uh realms there's multiple parallel parallel realities, realities that we can yeah. be part of and is it your mindset alone that puts you in a particular one um and and, is this time not linear right does it curl back on top of itself right. and at those intersection points if you happen to be in the right place at the right time who says you don't interact with yourself in a different time right. period. So you joked about him being, this conversation is far more <laughs> um, into that sort of thing. Like we could sit here and talk about this all day long yeah. and we have. And um, I think it's important to not count anything out when you're going into a situation like that, because you don't know. We, we don't, don't know we don't have the answers. You know, all we can do is continue to try to strive to interact with things that mm -hmm. can give us a piece of the puzzle and continue to try to put it together. Uh, you know, when these things happen, 
it's it's just another element that we have to consider as we're investigating or is it something else that's trying to mimic us and manipulate us in a way that's, that's uh, one theory. for their own uh, or, purposes who's to say that the spirits that we're communicating with via like spirit box or evp um are not the live versions of themselves from some different reality mm -hmm. as well how do we know oh. that they're not sitting around doing the same thing that we are and they're hearing right. our voices and going like, Oh dear God, oh, did you oh hear my gosh. that? You know? Oh my gosh. Um, that's something that I've talked about forever is mm -hmm. how do you know you're not just talking to a different timeline? We've heard our names in, in these spirit communication devices, yep. uh, you know, the, the different types of boxes that are out there and apps. And it's like, how does, how does your name specifically in detail get in there and how does it come back out? at the precise time that yeah. it's supposed to, for you to be able to hear it. You know, those are the many things that we have to consider. And I think so many people just kind of brush it off as, as an anomaly, but right. I think there's a deeper investigation and story that's behind that. Scott, did you ever feel in danger for yourself, for your team while you were invested in this investigation at Eloise Asylum? You know, it's, I, I think there were times when you you feel uneasy mm -hmm. you know it's like you know that there's something there that it, it does not mean goodwill towards you um and so you have to you have to really decide at that point if you're going to try to push the limit mm -hmm. and i'm always a limit pusher um or are you going to take a step back and regroup just like when the cameraman got scratched um you know that was a very concrete deciding moment that okay we have we've had rocks getting thrown at us while we've been doing this which that i don't think even made the show no, I didn't. um but you know we were we'd had rocks or pieces of concrete thrown at us for several times that evening before that physical interaction occurred and so it seemed as though it just continued to elevate and then as soon as that physical injury happened that's when you draw the line you're like hey listen okay this thing's getting physical it's got enough energy to be able to do this. Let's get out of here. Let things kind of mellow back out. We can come back after we regroup. You just have to know your line, know your limits. We often ask spirits to use our energy when we're in a haunted location. Mm -hmm. Steph, how dangerous is that offer? <laughs> Very, because I don't do it. You don't ever hear us do um, it. I think knowing what I know and, and teaching what I teach I wouldn't be out there saying, please use my energy in order to yeah. communicate with me because you're essentially giving yours away. So you're not as strong as you normally are right. in order to run out of the place if you need to, or um, just feel your absolute best or even something simple as like driving home that night, mm -hmm. fully awake. You know, you want to make sure that you're maintaining all of your physical energy. I wouldn't ever lend mine to something because you don't know what you're contacting either. And I think that that's a huge part of the majority of, I mean, really anything out there. Um, I mean, as, as soon as you do that though, you're opening it yourself up for something to manipulate you. But that, well, that was part of my point, but even so like, you know, everything out there is, cookie cutter, I guess is the word I'm looking for. So people learn how to investigate by watching a television show. Does it mean that that's the best way to learn how to investigate? No, sometimes it's a great one that you watch. Sometimes it might not be. And people tend to just mimic what they see, not realizing what they do. Mm -hmm. Just like the age old, like, oh no, Ouija boards are bad, but Ouija boards are no different than an EMF or you know K2 meter. Right. You're asking something to communicate with you no matter what you're doing. So if you're asking for communication, you should always be cautious as to what's on the other side of that. You wouldn't walk up to a stranger on the street and be like, hi, uh, let me tell you all about my personal life. Why don't you tell me about yours? Do you know what I mean? Or somebody mm -hmm. knocks on your door. You've never met them before. Yes, please come in, have a seat. Mm -hmm. Tell me everything you know that's going on with you today. It's not normal. So you should still be exercising that type of caution when you're approaching any type of location. Right. You don't know what's there. You don't know who they are. What if they're just really grumpy? You know, why do you want to like have them, you know, kind of use your energy or overlap onto your energy in order to um, communicate with them, which is silly. You wouldn't go to the worst coworker that you've ever had in your entire life and be like, hi, sit on my lap. You know, tell me about your day, you know, enjoy yourself. You, you wouldn't let's go, mix our energies together. Nobody yeah. wants that. So. You, you wouldn't go mm -hmm. to somewhere that's crime ridden and hand somebody your cell phone, your new iPhone 15 and say, hey, will you call me on this? We'll talk. Right. 
it's um yeah it's funny that people have developed these ways of doing things without really thinking about it because they just see it so they just do it not realizing putting themselves in a situation that they shouldn't or um just assuming that that's how it goes and you mm -hmm. just have to deal with the aftermath which you really don't i had a girl tell me one time well i provoke spirits and i asked her why she was very young and she was like well i saw it on tv and that's really the only way that they communicate so that's what i do that's my job of the team like that's not how this should be you know there's a different way and you know we talked about this going into eloise especially but in general our approach has always been you know you walk into a place with pure intentions you're not there to just get a thrill ride mm -hmm. and spirits know energy just like we know energy you know you walk into a room and you're like mm, i don't really like that person i don't want to talk to them but i'm really drawn to that person's energy and i want to have a conversation with them spirits are the same way only they can sense it far you know greater than we right. can so you know you want to have great intentions when going in they want to know that you're there to actually help them mm -hmm. not just to kind of record something and go home that night but even with that you have to build a relationship yeah which is what you'll see in the show we build a relationship over a period of time and then as that relationship evolves we start getting phenomenal interaction right and there was no trust on the spirits part when we walked in mm -hmm. and i'll be a thousand percent honest i had no trust in them especially walking in there and understanding how it felt i got rushed i think within the first half hour yep. of me being in there something pulled my hair um and i i realized if that's what they were doing now things were probably going to get a little bit worse not realizing that our cameraman was gonna get attacked yeah probably an hour later i know you're not supposed to give spoilers but you know just between the three of us do you guys survive um we don't know yet i don't know if we should tell you that or not the jury the jury is still out <laughs> i like it i like it um all right before we leave it is the spooky season we're all adults here, but we've all had weird things happen to us. So before we leave, I want both of you to share one of the weirdest or creepiest moments ever in the paranormal. Ooh. Go ahead. I have to go with the creepiest. You go first, because I'm not sure which one I want to pick. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Um, you know, years and years and years ago, I remember growing up listening to stories. Everybody talking about ghost stories. And I've told this story so many times, but it was my very first ghost story my very first paranormal interaction um i had never had an interaction i'd heard stories and so i was in college i was back at my parents house it was a new home um so this proves to you that a home does not have to be old or a building doesn't have to be old to be haunted right um but i got up one morning and i could smell breakfast i walked down the hallway i thought man this is gonna be great i'm back from college i've been living off of uh, of uh Ramen. ramen noodles. I'm going to make sure I say it right because she's <laughs> going to fuss at me if I don't. He says it wrong all the time. I tell her it's, I tell her it's Raymond's noodles. Um, so, <laughs> so as I walked in the hallway, I looked in the kitchen and I could see this woman standing there. Looked like my mother with a pink house coat on making breakfast. I could hear the fan running. I walked into the bathroom, freshened up, washed hands, washed face, come back out. There was no smell of breakfast. There was no sound, no nothing. As I walked in the kitchen, I thought, well, maybe they had to go somewhere because my dad's a pastor of the church. So maybe somebody called. They had to go for something there. We have a farm. Maybe something happened on the farm. So I looked outside. Their truck was there. And I thought, well, maybe they had to go in the car. So in the garage, a car was going. I called them up and I said, hey, what did you do with breakfast? And they said, what are you talking about? My dad answered. And he, I said, breakfast. I said, mom was in here fixing mm -hmm. breakfast and I was going to eat breakfast. And you didn't leave me a plate like you always do. You always put one in the microwave if you all fix breakfast. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. We're, we're not home. I said, well, I know you're not home. So my mom gets on the phone and she said, what are you talking about? I said, I just got up. You were in here in the kitchen making breakfast, uh, wearing a pink house coat, and I was looking for breakfast. She said, we've been gone for hours. We're in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So if there's somebody in that house that's fixing breakfast or making breakfast, you need to get out of there and call the police. Oh, and by the way, I don't own a pink house coat. So... I sat there for a moment and I thought, mm -hmm. what did I just see? Because that experience has never happened in a house. Um, what I thought looked like my mother, I saw her. I smelled the breakfast. I could hear the skillet sizzling when I walked in the hallway. I could hear the fan, the exhaust fan turning or running. Um, so what did I experience? What did I witness? And, and that was the thing that just kicked off a lifetime of curiosity for the paranormal. 
you know, it's almost 11 o'clock at night. And right now, Porter, everybody can't wait to sign off so they can go make breakfast for dinner. Because you just, <laughs> I'm, my just, mouth is watering. Now I just want bacon and eggs and toast. Thanks. Uh, you know, just think about it. I said biscuits and gravy. That would have put the cream on the cookie, you know? Yeah, that would have done it. All right. Very cool. <laughs> Steph, what about you? And it cannot be a meal-related paranormal experience. <laughs> it's not. But I'll probably tell um, the one that people are creeped out by the most. Yeah, so. Perfect. When I was seven years old, mm -hmm. I've had this gift since I was born. My mom had it. My grandmother had it. Uh, my second and third great grandmothers did this uh, professionally. That bloodline goes all the way up to the Mayflower and the Salem witch trials. So family of weird. You know, I didn't know I was strange. I didn't know I was different. But nobody really told me otherwise. I would get dropped off at like Catholic preschool. And my mom would be like, don't tell the other kids what color they are because I could see auras. Don't tell them who's around them. Don't get kicked out. I'll pick you up at 2.30. Bye. I love you. So... <laughs> At seven, my grandmother, who I got my gift from, passed away. And from the time that she was diagnosed to the time that she passed away, it was probably about six to eight weeks, somewhere around there. So it was very quick. And being that young, you go through this transition of, like, I have you physically one moment and then I don't the next. And um, the weeks after her passing, I would crawl to the end of the bed and I would sit there and I would wait for her. And she would show up in the, the light of my nightlight and I'd have a conversation with her. And I'd pass messages back and forth between her and my mom because my mom was too grief ridden to really have that interaction with her mother. So I was kind of the in-between for them for a long time. And I was waiting one night and, you know, time was going. And after doing this for a long time, you kind of realize like the moment of time like is passing as to when she would come. I decided to lay down and this... I don't know how to describe it to you, but I'm going to call it a creature. Uh, the only thing I can liken it to is if you've seen the Harry Potter movies, what Dementors look like, mm -hmm. entered my bedroom and blocked out the light of my nightlight and hovered over me. My mom was sleeping next to me at that time to comfort me because I had just lost the most important person in my life besides her. And it was hovering over both of us. And I remember it had glowing red eyes and it was making this really like gurgling, growling sound. And... I felt like I wasn't even in a normal reality. I didn't know what to do. My body was so frozen in fear that I, I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I couldn't do anything. And I thought my mom was still sleeping. My grandmother showed up in the corner of my room at that moment, told me what to do and how to get rid of it. And I just did what she said. And it almost like it kind of like came in on itself and popped and left. And at that moment that it did, my mother let out the most blood-curdling scream I've ever heard in my entire life. My father came flying in the room, like, what is going on? And she told him everything that I had seen in detail. So I remember thinking at that moment in time, like, I, I'm not the only one that saw it. And we didn't talk about it for years. Come to find out later on, my mom had dropped me off at a lesson that I had on a Saturday morning and stopped into a you know, just like a little metaphysical shop and she had gotten a reading, but that person didn't open and close that reading properly. So we think something might've come home with us after that. So nice. it's not the first, well, it was the first time, but it wasn't the last time that I've seen something like that. So. Well, let's, uh, we'll reconvene here again in the future. It was a pleasure having you both on the show. I wish you a lot of success with Secrets of the Asylum, a brand new six part journey into madness that can be viewed on Fox Nation. Scott, Steph, thank you so much for being here and spending some time. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Dave. Always Have a good pleasure. One. Yeah. And like I said, folks, brought to you from the great minds behind shows like Dead Files and The Holzer Files, I can guarantee you they are good at what they do in storytelling, filming, and everything. So make sure that you check out the show and check it out for yourself. As we sit here getting ready to part this evening, I want you to think about all the places we come into contact with, all of the strange experiences, good, bad, and ugly that we've all had or have maybe pushed away and realize that we're not alone and that the things that we do in life and in death matter. So be aware of those moments. And when you sense something near you, speak kindly, not just to the spirits, but to yourself. Make sure that you're putting as much positive and good out there so that you're not drawing the negativity towards you. And I pray for all of you that when it is your time, that you find the light and that you find your next place, that you don't stay in a place like an asylum or a prison or, or the hospital. I pray that you find the place that you should go and that your friends and family are there to greet you. I hope the darkness is just 
a little bit more light with the things that we share here on the show. And I want to thank you for joining me and making me part of your journey on the Paranormal 60.